we've been months on brokenheartedness and so many things. But what we want to do today is he restoreth my soul. He restores my heart. And Max Licato has a book called He Still Moves Stones. How many of you believe that? He Still Moves Stones. And he says in this book, why did God leave us one tale after another of wounded lives being restored? So that we could be grateful of the past? So that we could look back at amazement of what Jesus did? No, a thousand times no. These stories are not to tell us what Jesus did. Their purpose is to tell us what Jesus does. It says that they are historic moments and God met people, real people in real pain to give them answers. But what he did for them, he's doing for me. Amen? God wants to operate through a life and a heart that's free. He wants to minister to areas of your need. And one of the famous psalms we always read, of course, is Psalms 23. It's not only at the cemetery. I mean, you know, it's for life every day. And in Psalms 23, I believe this, was, this had to be one of David's favorite because I believe it's everyone's, one of everyone's favorite. He restores my soul. Not just once or twice, but David said his mercies are new every day. You may hear today and you may say, well, I need restoring again. You may feel guilty because maybe you said, you know, I asked the Lord to restore me last week and this week I didn't do so well, so I'm here again and I need to be restored again. Well, David had a revelation that the mercies of God never cease. The Lord God is patient and long-suffering. And he says here that he restores my soul. He restores it daily. He leads me. Thank God he's going to lead me in the path of right standing with him. He's going to lead me in these ways that have taken me in this path where I hate life. I hate myself. I am a victim of circumstances. He's going to lead me out of this for his namesake, not mine. My goal, my heart... It's that God is going to do something in nothing. And when it's where it's supposed to be, he's going to get all the glory out of it. And I'll give him all the glory because by myself and only with myself, I could have never gotten past where I was without him doing it in me. For his namesake, not just for me, but for his namesake, he's going to lead me out of the issues of addiction. That many times we read books on the addiction but what are the circumstances behind it that causes the addiction? Why do I keep running back to the same type of people and the same things over and over again? Is it an addiction problem? No, it's a heart problem. The, re the, the recurring sins, the recurring relationships, the circles, everything. is just a reoccurring sign that I have something in my heart that has to be done. And when God heals me and restores me, I'm going to always give him all the glory. Boy, you've done so well. Oh, let me tell you, God is the one who did it. I'm here today to tell you, it's not me. It's not what I did. I mean, I could tell you, yeah, I went to church. I tithed. I loved. I forgive. I did a lot of things. But I want to tell you, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would have never made it to where I am today. So I give him all the glory. I give him all the glory. I give him all the praise. It's for his name's sake. And we're talking about things that... He disrupt your heart it says for though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death boy it's looking bad it's looking bad they're saying new things but i will fear no evil say that with me i i you may have a nickname mr and mrs fearful you may have a nickname worry wart you may be a wart on a wart you may have a lot of things but what did david's to say i will fear no evil for you, I know you, 
I know you're the one who killed the giant. I know you are the one in your name that rescued me from the bear and the lion. I know you are the one who opened a way when there was no way. I know it was you who believed in me when everybody else had given up on me. I know it was you who continued to reach out to me when I was by myself ready to inject myself one time and take my life. It was you when I was ready to cut my wrist that I heard you call my name like nobody in human form could speak my name. It was you when I felt something moving on the inside of me when everybody else around me had given up on me. It was you, the glory and the lifter of my head that told me that you'd forgive me again and that it wasn't over just because I was thinking it was over. But that, Lord, you will refresh me. You will revive me. And though things look awfully dim and awfully dark, even things look, look, things look awfully bad, I will place my hope and my trust in you. And I shall be safe. For you are with me. Your rod. And your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Well, you know, if I didn't have any bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. No, you need to stay, change that child of God to surely goodness and mercy follow me. Anything that could happen is following me. No, surely goodness and mercy is following me. Not just now, not just on Sunday, but every day. I thank God, surely goodness and mercy, I'll look for it. I expect it, I anticipate it. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's the one who's leading and protecting me. He's the one who's fulfilling and pouring oil and blessing upon me daily. He's the one who causes me to believe in triumph and hope again. So I will say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever in Jesus' name. How many of you believe that? Amen. Glory be to God. When you look at Psalms 23, he refreshes the exhausted. He heals the wounded. He restores the wandering. And he leads the best way to take. It says in Luke 4.18, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty. Ah, those who are oppressed. I got this article that says, we do not need to look far. We do not need to look far to find the brokenhearted. Daily, the media bombards us with reports of gang murders, gang rapes, robberies, violence and terror apparent on all sides. More and more families are homeless. Witchcraft and the occult is taking strongholds in the young people's lives. Sexually abused are being programmed in such a way and their, their personalities are being so fragmented that they cannot live a normal life in society. And the divorce rates continue to rise. We're reading about ongoing slaughter of houses of abortion. 95% of the women who've committed abortions regretted it. AIDS is over 14 million people. All of society is affected. Hurts and disappointments are beyond our control. Children who fail to meet expectations. Promotions that never come. Wanted or unwanted pregnancies. So many things that are happening in life. Some people call it life. But yet Jesus says, I want to talk to you about a new life, an abundant life. You know, in all these reports, last night, if you were watching the ACJU, it was showing in Florida, the board uh, behind uh, pro-life. And it was talking about asking the question, can you actually say that when you botch up an abortion and that baby's on the table and it's still moving and it's still alive, and you, you can actually tell me, that that baby's life is not worth taking to an ER. 
well, you know, the ER is 14 miles away. If your kid was dying, would you go 14 miles to the ER? If you found somebody hurting on the side of the road, would you go to a hospital? You're saying it's the doctor's call. You're saying it's the mother's call. You're saying it's those liberals' call. But how can you stand there and see a brand new baby trying, fighting for life that you have no right to give, to take? And so we see these things happening all around us where these things are bombarding and, and trying to, to warp minds and, and push us into doing things that are unnatural and things that go against our character, things that go against what we believe. The world's putting pressure on exalting ourselves instead of exalting first the Lord and denying ourselves. Do you know what there's even raising up now? I don't know if you saw it. I got the email this morning from the ACLG, ACLG, LUG, anyway, for whoever they are, Jay. He said that there's a rising up now that they're coming against Christians who are adopting kids from other countries because Christians are adopting children from other countries. This is a lawsuit right now because the, the problem is, is that Christians should not be adopting kids from other countries to reprogram those children's mind from other nations to believe in the God of America. They're going after the seed every way they can. They're going after life any and every way we can. If there ever has been a time where the church has to stand for life, it has to be now. If there's ever a time we have to be willing to make a sacrifice to see the God who provided 40 years in the wilderness, this is the time. If there's ever a time that we've got to say that we are not, a, it's not a time to, 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 crowd, to, to quiet down or to, or to shy out. It's a time to be like Caleb and Joshua and say, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not looking for an easy way out. I'm not looking for a majority. I'm looking for the resurrection of the life to show himself strong on behalf of those who believe God. He says in Psalms 41, 4. I said, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I've sinned against you. I want to talk to those of us. Self-imposed sins. Self-imposed hurts and self-imposed pains. Areas, decisions. Hurts that caused us to make decisions at the wrong time with the wrong people. David saying, be merciful to me. I made the wrong decision. I brought this upon myself. But even though I did that, I know you want to heal my soul. Even though I'm the one at fault at what I'm living in, heal my soul and forgive me of my sin. God is always a God of his mercies new every morning. God is a God who's willing to save to the uttermost. He is a God who's reaching out his hand to even those of us who self-imposed and hurt ourselves and made wrong decisions. But a loving, caring God whose loving kindness is eternal. Can I hear an amen? Then in Psalms 147.3, it says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. These are the ones who didn't bring it upon themselves. These are the ones who were victimized. These are the ones who were maybe at the wrong place at the wrong time and never, never, never opened the door to anything to happen that happened to them. Makes me think of our, uh, uh, she was one of our deaconesses in Argentina. She was in charge of our children's church. Her name was Zena. Zena was a 12-year-old girl, and in those countries, a lot of times the neighborhoods have one pipe, and they only have water going to that pipe so long, and everybody goes over there, and they have to fill their little buckets of water, and then walk blocks back to their house with buckets of water to cook and to clean and do their things, and she was at that one little faucet getting her buckets. 12-year-old girl, and a man grabbed her, took her in the bushes, and raped her. In the rape, she got pregnant. 
to provide for her child, she started prostituting just to buy milk for her baby. She, she had other children. She lived a life of prostitution. Finally, Brother Raul met her. They got married, had a bunch more kids, and uh, he became a deacon. She became a deaconess. She worked in the children's ministry. That child who was a victim of rape, she worked in the children's ministry. Now, today, they're pastoring up in the Andes Mountains, a church, both of them themselves. But, you know, she was the one at fault. When we were ministering to her, the hardest thing, it wasn't hard to forgive the raper for her. It wasn't hard to forgive people who didn't help her. It wasn't hard to her to forgive others. The hardest person for her to forgive was herself. The enemy will take a lie and say, you imposed this. It was, you opened the door for this. It was something that was meant to be. It was something that you're caused. You were just born under the wrong comet, the wrong stars. You're just a Pisces or a Pisces, a, a crab, a frog, or whatever signal you are. You're, you know, you're just a toad or whatever. I mean, they got all, they'll put it underneath your star sign, your constellations. Your horoscope said that, so just accept it. You're keeping all your fortune cookies believing that that's the truth. But I want you to know something else. The word of God is the eternal truth the everlasting truth and it is a truth for you and I don't care what horoscope what sign you're under I am under the sign of the rugged cross of Calvary I am under the sign of the blood of Jesus Christ you ask me what my sign is I don't know it could be a rabbit it could be a bird it could be a hawk I don't know I can tell you what month I was born but I'm not interested in constellations I'm interested in the one who made the constellations I'm interested in the one who put the stars in their place I'm interested in the one who created me called me by my name the one who knew me in my mother's womb the one who knew me from the beginning of time why should I seek those things that are put, are put in the paper today and buried tomorrow when I've got the eternal God who spoke his word from the beginning Russell B. Russell I've called you Russell I've anointed you Russell you are my descendant Russell you shall be my child Satan you shall not have him Satan you shall not destroy him Satan you will not touch him he is my anointed why should I go be going under the signs of things that God made when I am born in the image of the ruler of all things the Almighty the Prince of Peace the everlasting God now I know some of you I know some of you and I ain't talking about you because I don't know who you are but I know on Facebook you got your daily horoscope coming up. And you're going to say, what's wrong with horoscopes? Everything. Did you read your devotion before you read your horoscope? Did you open the Bible before you cracked a fortune cookie and rubbed Buddha's belly? Do you stand there alone and look at a cat that goes... More than looking up to the Savior. I'm, I'm meddling here. Mm. I'm not meddling. I'm just being nice. And I'm not saying you're going to hell. No, no, don't, don't say preacher. Say everybody's got horoscopes going to hell. No, put a daily verse. Remember when we were kids, we had the little bread? And every day, mom and dad, go ahead, it's your turn. And my brother and I would fight. Who was going to pull out the scripture of that day? It's my turn. No. Your turn was yesterday. Yeah, but I want to read another one. I want to pull the, the paper out of the bread. Let me. Let me. Remember how excited we were as kids to pull a paper out of the bread? And how about now? We could pull out a sword for the enemy's throat. Mm. 
Hi, everybody on the internet. Glad you joined us today. <laughs> Jeremiah 31, 25. Look what God says. He's not selfish. He never made one mistake in any word that he said. He said, I will what? How much? I will fully satisfy the weary soul. And I will replenish every languishing and sorrowful person. I looked up the word replenish. And it means to fill something again. To restore to a level balanced condition. How many need balancing? To balance. To abundantly supply for. To fulfill to the full level. To recharge. To refresh. But what I like about it is it, it, it says to refill again. And it made me think about when you go to a, a nicer restaurant than Burger King. And you're sitting at a table and there's actually waitress and waiters. God bless them who are waiting on you. And there's some that they'll come by and they say, can I top your glass again? And, and, and pour more water in your glass. And sometimes I've only had a chance to take two or three sips. And they're coming and they're putting more water. And, and they're just keeping your glass full. They're keeping your glass. The top. Can I top your glass again? Can I top your glass? Just keeping it full. And I want you to know, get an image that the word serve means to wait as a waiter. And as you wait upon the Lord, the Holy Spirit is there. Can I top you off again? Can I top you off again? Can I top you off again? Somebody's going around and press the wrong buttons. And you feel like you're getting ready to go. But the Holy Spirit says, let me top you off again. You've gone through a hard time at work or in your marriage or in, or in life this week. And you come, I'm so drained. I'm so tired. And the Holy Spirit says, can I top you off again? I want to keep you full. Get a revelation that God wants to keep you full. Amen. From all weariness. And that word weariness and sorrow speaks of mental and emotional conditions of the inner man. Speaks of hurts. My wife and I, for the first time, watched a movie this week. Uh, one night this week, we watched a movie. Um, I had recorded it uh, before. Um, uh, War Horse. And there was this scene, and you've seen it in other movies, that once the gas, once the Germans had let the gas out, nobody can get away from it. It goes in every crook, every cranny. It goes in the walls, through the clothes. I mean, the gas, once it's exploded, before you know it, it's already there, and they're breathing it. Well, I want you to know, hurts, emotional pain, and trauma is like gases of the enemy. That he just lets that gas break, and it starts going, and it starts getting to parts of your body and poisoning you. And, and what made me think, too, was, I don't know if you read it, it they showed a picture of a man this week on Facebook showed a picture that he was bit by a six-foot rattlesnake in Alabama turkey hunting anybody saw that on Facebook yeah he was bit by a six-foot rattler and Facebook in his calf and he said when he got bit it bit him twice he pulled out his snake listen to me now he pulled out his $10 anti-venom snake kit and he sucked out about two or four cups of venom out of his leg and then he gave himself his shot he bandaged it. He walked to his truck and drove 14 miles to the hospital. And the doctor said, if you wouldn't have had that anti-venom uh, kit with you, you would have never made it to the hospital. You would have died by the time you walked to your truck. This was so bad. Well, I want you to know, he said, in his Facebook, he says, I want everybody who hunts, please purchase a 10 dollar snake venom kit in case you get bit you have that kit too and it started making me think hurts and traumas and pains is venom of the serpent it's venom of the serpent 
And so many times, you know, we spend things, money on so many things. But a $10 book on what you're going through, a $10 book on grief, a $10 book on needs, a $10 book on mental, men, mental sanity, a $10 book on healing, a $10 book on Psalms 23, some tape, some video. I mean, if you just buy you a little $10 something on what you're going through, or get on Google, baby, it's free, and just Google your need. Google I'm losing my mind. And watch how much stuff comes up. And the first thing in big letters will be, I am too. <laughs> so anyway, Google it. Buy it. I mean, spend your money on some kits that when something bites you to kill you, to destroy you, that there's something else to take the venom out of you so that you'll live and not die in the name of Jesus. Now, this poison attacks our physical bodies, which speaks of a variety of ailments and diseases. It attacks our behaviors. Pain attacks our behaviors. Becomes self-defeating. Growth restricting. Of us and others. And the shutdown of emotions. Well, you know, my dad didn't have any emotions. And I'm just like him. So don't ask me to be more emotional than I am. Examine that. Are you not emotional because you think that's just who you are? Or are you dull and you're hurt? Because there are so many things that have come to your life and have taken the life out of you. The mind, painful flashbacks, ungodly beliefs, mistrust, distorted, distorted perceptions and goals. It, venom goes to our emotions, negative emotions such as fear, hate, self-hate, anger, grief, defeat, mistrust, shame, rejection, and abandonment. The spirit, dullness, oppression. Flickering life flow, turning away from God. All these dimensions of a wounded person causes us to th see through dim glasses. I was thinking about when we go through things. I, I want you to see that our, our, our heart, it says guard your heart. Our heart is so vulnerable. How many ever talk to little children and they're so vulnerable and you could tell them anything? How many of you believe this Santa Claus till you're 18 years old? I mean, you know, I mean, we actually believed an Easter bunny was going to bring a basket and uh, all that. I mean, oh, I hope there's no kids in here that still believe in the bunny and Easter. Anyway, 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 how many know children are so vulnerable? Well, our heart's vulnerable too. And our heart is more or less like this. This, look, look how white and pretty this thing is right now, this lint roller. That's how we are as a newborn Christian. But we'll go someplace and hang around somebody and we go to this certain place and just a few minutes, we pick on some stuff, pick up some. And then we go somewhere else, and we pick up, oh, on some more stuff. And then we go somewhere else, oh, and we pick up some more stuff. Well, this church didn't do it for me, so let me go to this church. And we think the church is going to fix it. Oh, well, you know, Floyd didn't do it. No, I can't use Floyd. There's somebody in here named Floyd. Let's say Timoteo Juan de Gracia. <laughs> he doesn't like his wife. He doesn't like his life. So he says, I'm going to get rid of Maria. And I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy. I'm going to marry Juanita. And so he gets a hold of Juanita. And picks up Juanita's garbage too. And her little six munchkins. And then you go somewhere else. <laughs> and then you go somewhere else. And you're picking up on this. Picking up on this. And before you know it, you're standing, you're going, what has, the internet can't see me. You're going, what has happened to my life? 
What did all this accumulation of stuff come with? Well, there's Gigi's. I'm going to talk to some preachers now. Not Gigi's. There's a, oh God. Where's the place where the girls wear those little shorts and tops? Oh, the Hooters, preachers. Yeah, but Russell, they got the best wings. Yeah, and I bet I'd have to put your eyes back in, in too, bud. Oh, okay, enough for the men. I'm going to get you ladies. Paragon Casino. Live this weekend. Oh, shoot. Who's those guys with bow ties and no shirts? How do you know? You heard about it. Now, everybody in the U.S. has heard. Y'all too. Man, I'm picking. They've they never been there. Don't worry. They've never been there. Just posted pictures on Facebook. Don't worry. Hey, them guys are gay. Don't worry about it. Anyway. So anyway, listen, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. You got what I'm saying, right? So you come to church looking like this. Oh, pastor. Where's God? Where's God? Well, he wasn't at Gigi's, I can tell you that. He wasn't at Hooters eating wings with you. He wasn't with Chippendale. I can tell you that. Mary wouldn't even go in there. I tell you, he wasn't in your horoscope. In fact, everywhere you went, he wasn't in none of them places. So what do you do? Jesus, have mercy upon me. Guess what? You can leave wide as snow. But if you guard your heart, you don't get like this to do it all over again. You finally start learning how to get, stay more and more like this. And our, our emotions and things of our soul, you got your keys? Uh, our stuff is like I was thinking about a key ring. And, and thank you. Yeah, I love these keys. How many know that you know, and, and I don't mean offend anybody by this. How many of you know, you know a janitor when he's coming down the hall before you see him? He's the man with the keys, and that's great. But what's not great is when I told my wife, there's just going to be me, her, and Jesus on the key ring, and not Ethel, and not Johnny, and not Priscilla, and not Phyllis Diller. It was just going to be two. And, and, and how many of you know that to try to get these rings off, man, that's hard to do. And so before I just go through all the work of removing the ring, I just leave the ring. And then another ring. And then another ring. Another connection. Another addiction. Another thing. And another thing. And before you know it, I have all these keys to closets in my heart that Jesus wants to remove the doors and throw the key away. 
But what happens is I have all these keys, and this is Jake's keys. He's on staff. And then I find that Sister Cindy has the same keys that unlock the same doors. So since we got a lot in common, we'll just fellowship about the keys and the doors we have. Oh, you're depressed too? I'm depressed too. How many pills are you on a day? Well, I'm doubling that. I'm, I'm, I'm washing it down with vodka. And, and, and instead of getting somebody who ain't got no keys, we feel comfortable with people who have the same keys. And so we're going to have a prayer meeting. Ain't none of us going to, none of us happy, none of us joyful. I'm depressed, you're depressed. Feathers flock together. So we'll get together and every meeting is going to be crying. Every meeting is going to be moaning. Every meeting is going to be complaining. Never going to be victory. Never going to be removing the key because I'm comfortable with my key because I found somebody who has the same key. And we just collect keys and collect keys because we don't guard our heart. And we feel safe with people who feel like I do. When the Bible says to have the mind of Christ. Have this mind of Christ. And so he wants to remove those keys. And I am so far behind in my message. He wants to remove these keys and help us to be able to grow. Can I hear an amen? amen. So, so let's look right quick. Psalms 92 talks about... Uh, well, Jeremiah seventy fourteen says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be able to say that with me. Heal me, O Lord. Heal my heart. Heal my emotions. Heal my wound. Heal my soul. And I shall be healed. Look what he says, save me and I shall be saved. For you, who? You are my praise. Not what my father did to me. Because you know the terrible thing? You know what I see with the keys? I won't take them back. You know what I see with the keys? It's like some precious little baby girl. She gets violated by her daddy or her uncle or her stepdaddy. She's 13, 14, 15 years old. She gets violated. Well, she grows up feeling at fault, feeling guilty, feeling shamed. And she starts, in, she starts dating and even marrying older guys. Because it was an older man who took her virtue. And so she starts looking for older men to fulfill and fill her need. And it's just a reoccurring thing because that key got locked on that ring. But heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. Can you hear what I'm saying? Psalms 92, 12 says, The righteous shall flourish. That word there, grow, develop in a healthy, positive way. Favorable attraction, impression. Like the palm tree, roots. He shall grow, develop, progress. Oh, I love this word, to grow. I looked up in the dictionary. It means to come to know or feel something over time. You may feel right now, I, I don't feel a change. I don't see a change. You will over time as you dig in the word of God. The roots have to grow. And it goes on to say, like the cedar of Lebanon. It goes on to say in Psalms 112, uh, and I'm just going to read uh, the, the first verses it's right here. It says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights. Somebody shout out delights. That means you got to get excited about the word of God. And verse 4 says, unto the upright there arises light and darkness. Remember last week, Isaiah uh, chapter 60, arise, shine for you. Light is coming, the gross darkness shall cover the earth. But look at this. Look at verse 6 with me. Surely he will never be shaken. That's talking about the righteous person. All the bad news. A heart established in God. Surely he will never 
be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast. I'm trusting in you, O oh Lord. His heart, verse 8, here's the tree. His heart is established. He will not be afraid. Can I hear an amen? amen? All the contradiction, all the things coming against us and all this other stuff, but yet his heart is established. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, I love this in the message. It says, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate, put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? No. And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? Look at this. There is no way. I love Paul. He's cool, man. There is no way. Hey, dude. There is no way. Look at this. No trouble. Not hard times. Not hatred. Not hunger, not homelessness, homelessness, not bullying threats from the government, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of that phases us because Jesus loves me. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living, are dead. That means if somebody said, I'm going to come back to haunt you, don't worry about it. They're dead. Nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic. Do you think I could get possessed? Just plead the blood of Jesus and live a right life. No, nothing demonic. Today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and the love of God. Oh, that's good news. Establishing in my heart, nothing's going to put a wedge between me and my God. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. So I'm going to want to hurry and give you some revelations on what your roots need to go down into. So let, let's do this quickly because time's already gone. Can, can I go through this real quick? Okay. Number one. I'm sorry. I was supposed to end by now. I'm sorry. Number one. Revelation of redemption. If we don't have a revelation, the scriptures are there. I'm not going to be able to read them to you. But it's all about the blood of Jesus. If we don't have a revelation that I have been, I've obtained eternal salvation. And when Jesus cried out, it was finished. So was my old circumstances. It's been eternally defeated by Jesus. Because I am redeemed by the Lord. The devil will have no dominion over me. Because I legally belong to Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.13 says we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Revelation number two, a revelation of the new birth. Say that with me, the new birth. The new birth, you can look it up later in the scriptures in your notes there. It says that we have become a new person or a new species that has never been known before. We're in the likeness of Christ. We're partakers and recipients of the divine nature of God. Number three, we need a revelation that I am. Say this with me, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
We have to have a revelation that I am the righteous. The Bible says that the righteous, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. Well, you need to say, I am a righteous man. The Bible says in 1 Peter that the prayers and eyes of God are open to the righteous. I am the righteous in Christ Jesus. David said he'd never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. So you've got to get a revelation in the righteousness of God. Can I hear an amen? Number four, you've got to get a revelation that God is in me. God is for me. God is with me and God is in me. That's why uh, Isaiah 41 says, fear not for I am with you. I am your God. And then it goes on to say in 2 Corinthians that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and I will dwell in them. Revelation number 6. Revelation of the integrity. Oh, wait a minute. No, devil. I'm going back to this one. Number 5. Revelation of the power. Somebody shout out power. Woo! And authority of the name of Jesus. You see how the devil tried making me skip that? Oh no, we're not skipping the name of Jesus. All inherited power of heaven is in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, every circumstances can change. In the name of Jesus, every physical body can be made whole. In the name of Jesus, the lost can be saved. In the name of Jesus, demons tremble. In the inherited power and authority of a power, all of heaven stands behind and is invested in the name of Jesus. And the word of God says, Everything and anything we ask the Father in that name, He will give it to us. So we have the inherited name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen. Number six, a revelation of the integrity of God's word. He stands behind His word to perform it. And the revelation number seven, a, a, a revelation. Of faith. Oh, we've got to faith. It comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. We've got to get in faith. We've got to believe the word of God. We've got to trust the word of God. So in closing, how do I use these revelations to establish me the news or the bad news, whether it be cancer, whether it be economy, whether it be laws, whether it be this, whether it be that. Let me give you an example. How does the bad news affect me? I respond, but I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I respond with the blood and the name of Jesus. How does this bad situation affect me? I'm a new creation, born of God. I have access to the ability of God himself. Therefore, I will reach into his wisdom and do things that he would do as if he was here in my situation, facing the situation that I am seeing. What do I do with the situation that's affecting me? I cry out, I am the righteousness of God. Therefore, God's eyes are over me and his ears are open to my prayers. How does this bad news affect me? I have the God kind of faith residing on the inside of me. Jesus said that I could speak to a mountain and it has to be removed. So I speak to the situation now in the name of Jesus and I command it to depart from hence. How does this bad news affect me? I have the power of eternity, attorney to use the name of Jesus. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, these circumstances must must bow down before him in Jesus' name. How does this situation affect me? I have a revelation in the integrity of my father's word. He is faithful that promise to his word will not return to him or me void. It will accomplish what it was sent to do as he pleases. And it will prosper in the thing wherewith he has sent it. Therefore, I will speak forth the word of my father and he will back it up with his power. How does this situation affect me? I am God indwelt. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I declare Satan is completely defeated. By the time I reach the end of this checklist oh, now I'm reading this. By the time I, by the time I get to the end of this checklist, I ought to have my own personal revival dancing and shouting to God and declaring all the things that God has given me or mine. Would you stand up please? Would you stand up? Woo! Hallelujah! 
Man, I preach myself happy. And you can too. Take these seven revelations. Go back and watch it for free. Get the CD, whatever. But get these seven revelations. And dig deep. Let your roots get a hold of these revelations that will cause you to be fearful. Fearless, I'm sorry. Fearless in the end times. Amen. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, we have read your promises. That the curse and even fear itself and the power of the enemy itself was defeated at Calvary. Lord, I pray for each and every one here today. And Lord, your word it is written. The integrity of your word says, you have not given us, nor will you give us, the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So Father, I pray that you will fill and refill us in all our empty places. I ask you to forgive us, Father, for the sins that we've inflicted upon ourselves, but Lord, for the areas where we've been victimized, traumatized, hurt and pain. Lord, as we have done this series by faith, the preaching, the teaching, the meditating on your word. Lord, we know that we're not healed with just one. We're not healed every time by just one dose. But Lord, it's a daily lifestyle of meditating delightfully in your word day and night so that we can be a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water. Bless every child Youth, teen, adult, marriage, elder, anoint each and every one here by the mighty outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Fill us to overflowing. In Jesus' name we pray. Eyes are still bowed eyes, and heads, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you live in a state of hurt, confusion, fear. Things are dominating you. Things are controlling you. You may be confused. You may be here today confused. What do I believe? Where can I go? Well, this Bible, it's not a leather-bound book. It is the manifested, manifested Word of God. It's all truth. It's all power. And is stood behind by God. Accept Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. You accept his word. He'll send his word and heal you. He'll send his word correct us. He'll send his word and encourage us. If you're here today and you've never known him. Maybe if you wandered from him. If you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ today. And accept him as Lord and Savior. If you need the Lord to rescue you. To revive you refill you if you've never accepted him before today right now is your opportunity if you want to surrender to your life to the one who loves you he's the one to rescue you and he's the one to save you I want you to raise your hand real high and say I need Jesus right now to be my Lord and my Savior anyone at all God bless you young man anyone else today you're here